from depression to diabetes to obesity and addictions. Our medical problems are climbing and are now at epidemic rates. This is why I started this podcast, Your Health Transformed, to educate you, to teach you, so we can all learn how to combat these increasing medical problems and live well again and become transformed. I am your host, Dr. Franchelle Hamilton, bariatric surgeon, and have seen these medical problems and treated them firsthand. I am now on a journey to help transform health, not just band-aid it. So thank you for listening and going on this journey with me and all of my guests on Your Health Transformed. And I'm excited to talk to Dr. Malte. He is a cardiac surgeon and author of the book, Healthcare Anonymous. I'm really excited to talk about him today because I have questions personally. He talks about being burnt out in this healthcare system that we have today. And I like one of the quotes you used was, um, is your system that gets you well getting your worker sick? And so I kind of label that with this title because I think that's perfect. I don't know if anybody has asked that question, especially with the pandemic. And so thank you for being on the show. I'm really excited to talk to you today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. And so you are a pretty well-accomplished cardiac surgeon with all these, you know, published articles and you know, working in a top hospital. And so as a surgeon myself, I was joking because I was like, I have, I would love a lot of advice from you as a burnt out surgeon over here in, in Texas, you know? And so I'm curious to see how you kind of even came up with this or even noticed this um, problem. Well, thank you. It's, um, it was an interesting journey because it was really gradual, and we always think about burnout or anxiety or addiction as a end result or a very, um, very acute moment, right? Where it's obvious, right? People yeah. get out of bed. People are um, are just losing it at work, or some. And for me, you know, before even learning or reading about burnout and anxiety and things, I always had this this perception, right? And, and but by reading more and by analyzing my own sort of professional and, and personal challenges, I realized that it was for, for a lot of us, it's, a, it's much more subtle than that. And it's, mm-hmm. um, it's a lack of empathy. It's mm-hmm. uh, being short, being angry at work. It's, um, it's just feeling overwhelmed. It's not being able to manage your schedule. It's the little drinking here and there and a lot of there. It's so it, there's just a lot of um, little things that for me, you know, for years, it was just not adding up. Everybody was driving in the wrong lane, so to speak. And, and I was the one driving in the right lane. And um, just to a point where it really came obvious to me, like if you look at the trajectory, um you know, I was on a on a on a sprint, right, with my professional yeah. career to accomplish. Um, I was flying in, flying, flying every two weeks somewhere in the world to give a presentation. I was the one of the busiest heart surgeons at the, at the Mayo Clinic, um, 
and, and yet, you know, there was this deep, um, there was this deep uh, void and this sort of extreme fatigue and and just miscontent with my overall life. And so, um, had to take a little moment and started a lot about. It started with really with journaling, and uh, yeah. and 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 I didn't know the power of that to start with, um, but gradually and now with this new book that i just read it's called green light i think the i think journaling became uh, became a key a central part for me to uh to just uh start a journey and uh, and that's how the sort of the book uh started a little bit the uh the the journaling and the sort of realization that something was off so at what point so how far in your career would you say that you noticed something was quote unquote off? And then how far after that did you feel like, okay, I, I want to start doing something. I'm just curious for you. Cause you know, as new surgeons, right. We're all, I mean, we're exhausted from residency, but then we, we come out and we're like super excited. You know what I'm saying? To get started. And, and it, it hit me too. Like at some point you're like, go, go, go. You're like, Oh, I got to publish. Oh, I got to do keynotes, grand rounds. I mean, like all this stuff. And then you're just like, whoa, you know what I'm saying? So I'm just curious when it happened for you, like how far after training? Yeah. Well, it became acute, you know, I'd say a decade after. And, yeah. uh, hmm. and, and but that's, that's what I'm trying to picture in the book. The burnout is, is to me, and I think I, I'm trying to really change the thinking around it. For a healthcare worker, it's the end result of multiple years or multiple yeah. issues uh, that are good, that are wrong, that are sort of really uh, forged within this. I, I describe this triangle of disease, right, where uh, you have the host, meaning the person that's studying the, you know, the nurse, the the way you sort of get into the culture, get into the historical landmarks of your profession. And the way you develop those personality traits and when, you know, in yeah. your, like, um, like for me, you know, we, we've acquired, I mean, they say you acquired most of your personality traits between 18 and 30. And, and that's exactly where we you know we were on call doing all these hours. Yeah. And, and so you're, you're, you're being pushed upon these responsibilities without having the underlying ability to develop the traits of personality without the kinks to it. So that's one. And then the environment itself, right? The, the demand, the, yeah. the competition, the, and then the way we interact with it. And so, and so when all these three things kind of uh, come together, you can be pretty much in balance. But when one of these things kind of just don't work, whether you, the environment asking too much or the, way you've interacted with some of these things or have have acquired some of the historical perceptions or culture that's where things like burnout or anxiety or things kind of come out and and if i look back at this triangle of disease or healthcare disease unfortunately it probably has been there since i started studying you know yeah. and learning how to function in, as a surgeon as a medical student as a in this sort of very high performing world. Yeah. 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 I agree. Like it was probably a decade for me too. Um, and then I kind of had to switch gears and I've seen it a lot in my nurses too, especially like 
over this pandemic time where they're just, like you said, the acute problem. They don't want to come back to work, right? They're like, "Ah," you know, and I remember specifically working with this nurse who I worked with for years and I saw a huge change in her to the point where I was like, man, I'm dreading to almost like working, like just bringing everybody down. Like that's, I think what you're describing as acute, like it's already, she's already burnt out at this point. Like in order to have resolved that, we probably needed to go back a few years, but it's just like everything asking to do anything was just like painful. You know what I'm saying? And so it's really unfortunate that in our society, we let it go until it's, it's already like kind of past the point. You know, when it's like somebody has to say, okay, you need to probably step back because it's obvious now that you're burnout. And this topic just came, it really wasn't that popular and probably for you too during surgery training. Like this like didn't even, you know, and I'm like, this was not nothing. You just kind of keep going. And the, and the way in healthcare you're trained, it's just like, okay, keep going, suck it up. You know, it's okay, you know. And yep. then it just, it becomes almost like a mismatch, like like you were saying. So yep. I guess, how can people identify this, like, before this acute stage? Yeah. And I remember, you know, as you were talking, I kept, I, I remembered some of the things that, you know, in training, it felt normal, like having this conversation with my first day of my cardiac surgery residency. I remember getting into my mentor's uh uh, office and he said, uh, so you're the guy on call now and, and, you know, you need to know everything. Like if the, I remember even him saying, if the, if the daughter of the patient is cute, I want to know about it. You know, <laughs> but remember if you call at midnight, it's going to be seen as a sign of weakness and, yep. you know, and thinking back and, and then it was this saying a DD, uh, um, DTRT, right. Do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And so, even though you, you try to call or even thought about calling at 2 a.m., it was perceived as a sign of weakness. And it's hard to explain yeah. to people, right, that, that, yeah. that but this culture of not asking for help. And, and I would even go further than that. The culture of, uh, of a, a heart, I mean, for my per, per specialty, being a male heart surgeon and, and speaking about and, and about depression yeah. and, and, and burnout. I mean, it's a, it's a very, it's a, it's a historical world with a lot of like, uh, um, you know, our predecessors used to be um, sleeping in the hospital yep. seven days a week and, yep. and they were fired on the spot for, from rounds and then sneak back the month later with the famous debakey surgeons and things. Yeah. So, and so it is it is a bit in the culture and it's unfortunately still like that. And yeah. back to your to your question, the signs are, are, are not always subtle. And for me, are not always uh, I mean clear. And you're right to say when when it's obvious, then the hospital and and committees and, and HR usually pretty good about stopping things, right? If you come mm-hmm. drunk at a hospital, if you you know, if you crash a car because you sleep or, or if you come in and you have this manic depressive disorder. Correct. Yeah. You know, it's pretty clear that you get stopped. Now, yeah. that being said, the mechanism for which the, the ways from which these happen and then what happens next is not clear. Right. So you can send to, you know, charm schools if you're very angry. You get sent to see a psychiatrist for six months with administrative leave. 
Yeah. Uh, but then six months later, you come right back in with the same, the, with the same, the culture. same environment, like the same <laughs> culture <laughs> schedule. And exactly. So, uh, so, you know, for, for me, as I said, it was subtle. It was like, a, uh, you know, alienating people is like being angry for nothing, both at work and at home. It was gaining weight. It was, uh, constantly getting tired. It was yeah. not being fired, but being asked to think about another place to work, you know, after yeah. five years of being in one place. And so um, just people just had enough of, of a certain, it wasn't like I was, you know, hitting people or anything, but yeah, I was just very short, very black or white, very, and, and, and now I realize it was a, become a slow, um, acquired sort of, I was functionally in a burnout state, you know, yeah. and, and just angry at myself and, and tired all the time. So yeah, the signs are, are subtle and, and it can go on for many years. Cause guess what? Correct. We're built in a certain way to be really resilient in this, in yep. this, in this, uh, in this environment. So it's, it's really tough. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, by the way, I, I wanted to give you kudos because a, I know surgery training. And so to even admit about burnout or anxiety, depression, like that's just not the way we're trained. I actually trained with Topeki. I'm, I'm in Texas, he was yeah. in Houston. So I'm, I got very old school surgeon trained, right? And so there was no complaining, no nothing. You know, you just kind of put your head down and went to work. And you're right, being a male surgeon, like this is, this is the kind of the mantra that, that it looks like you don't complain, you just work. Like I still have surgeons that are like 80 that are still taking call. And I'm like, you guys probably, you know, should retire. Or, you know what I'm saying? It's funny because I just, it's, today I got an email, very long email from a colleague in medicine. And he is an ICU doctor and, yeah. and it's helping me with a preface in, in Montreal because the book has been uh, translated in French. And, um, and, uh, and then he's reading all this. He says, gosh, now I understand why you guys are so angry. You know, <laughs> like why is it so hard to deal with surgeons? I, he says, I don't think, I mean, not that would make, make the surgeon special, but yeah. it's old school perception and training in historical culture that Correct. some, some of us are being trained in. And then he's like, now, I mean, I didn't, I know it was bad surgery training, but I didn't know how bad it was. And yeah. Uh, and yeah. how sort of being angry is maybe an acquired just revenge yeah. against what you have yourself, you know, lived through. <laughs> you know? Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Hundred hour work weeks, like typical, you know. And so and, then, and I remember you know, I remember even saying things like and I, I can't imagine then saying this even today after the two years of like I would say recovery I've had. But I remember when I heard about this 80 hours a week thing, complaining about it, saying it was <laughs> stupid. You know, people won't learn. It's the you have to learn the middle of the night in a type A dissection. I just said that. That's the same thing. But, but, and, but it's, it's, it sounds crazy. 80 hours a week is enough. You know? Yeah, I know. <laughs> that is so funny. I said, I'm so guilty. I just, I will see, I see like the, and I'm like, how are surgeons going to learn how to operate? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, know, 80 hours. But, but it's the thing that's changed. It's simulation now. There's different things. But um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's been an interesting journey to try to really understand what all this comes from. And, uh, and I'm just talking about surgeons, but I think a lot of other, um, areas in healthcare, whether you're an aide or nurse or medicine 
doctors, social workers, like social everybody. Workers. They, yeah. all, they all feel the same things, but uh, differently. And, right. and, in, and in the book and the journey of, of I guess, um, getting the testimonials and the stories, um, I, I, you know, maybe I've, I've enlightened myself about what are those uh, um, differences and how they're com- some of the things are common among others. Yeah, I agree. So you made a good point in the sense that even when you recognize you're burnt out in this healthcare, but honestly, you can even take this outside any job, any whatever the case may be, and you start working on yourself to kind of help cope with that. But then you have to go back into the same environment. So how does one like deal with that, so to speak. Do you, should you just find a new job, find a new career, find like, how do, what do you recommend for this? Yeah. Sometimes. So we go, we go over this in the book. You know, when, once you realize you're afflicted with the, a, any disease, right. You can decide to, you can decide to ignore it. And, and some people can, you can ignore diabetes for many years, but yeah, you know, correct. Um, and some people do it. Uh, you can decide to treat yourself and live with it, and and you can just decide to sort of die from it. And so there's a or let let something go. And so the same thing with healthcare. So you know you can some for some people it will be to let it go, and and that's an easier thing, easier said than done because. I'm just going to take the doctor as an example. You know, we study for 20 years. Yeah. You have financial and personal investment. Um, it brings a certain social status. Um, okay. It brings you security of job, um, it, you know, for your family and kids. Um, it also has a certain amount of uh, society uh, perception. And so when you when you're in a certain situation, and there's an example in the book, but where people have studied all these years and two or three years into practice, this is, wow, I need to, this is not what I want to do. What I thought. Also, it's very hard to do that. So most of us, I mean, there's a group of people that decide not to change and that's on them, I think. And and it's unfortunate, but it happens. And then there's a middle group that you have to really change something. And, um, and change something means a lot of things. And, and we try to, to sort of get a step approach to that change in, in the book. But um, I think one of the key things is to, is to re, reassess the pie, right? And, then the, and, and establish some of the values which are at the time important for you. And for me, 90% of the pie was work. And that's how I define yeah. myself. That's how I, I you know, I've, I've, I've neglected kids, my, my kids. I've neglected my wife at the time. Uh, you know, and, and and so and so and so reestablishing those priorities and and making the pie a little different, and yeah. starting to say no. And I was just reading the book about it. You know, start saying no. It's some of it, but yep. you know, saying no is is very hard in healthcare. You know, say so I can't add another patient. I'm going to see a patient every thirty minutes for my consult, and I won't add another. You know, yeah. I, I did two cases today. I won't do a third if it's not urgent. And I'm not on call. Yeah. You know, and that's hard. That's hard to do from a altruistic, just, just calling it out there. Like to say, no, I don't have any more ability to help a patient is not something any healthcare worker wants to do. I just want to throw that out there. That is very yeah. difficult. For us and to maybe do. Yeah. if you have to say this too many times during a week or a month, maybe the system has a problem, right? Yeah. You need more people. 
maybe you need more people that do the same things as you do so you can divide the work to the, to win you know but uh but sort of rearranging some of those things and then finding things for me it was to you know start writing a book i started to do a little acting class and things so you know i i've started to to enlarge a bit and i had just again for for two decades the only thing that counted for me was heart surgery and being the best of what i do and yeah. being on every podiums and things and so when you start uh, you know uh, loving yourself in a different way whether it's through your interaction with family whether it's through learning a script for a mini you know short film whether it's yeah. uh, writing a book and think, talking about something that matters to you uh, then you start and there's a slow change that comes and you do start to ask yourself, well, if I, if I do that other responsibility at work and if I take this other committee, does it really align with what I want trying to do with my schedule? And if it doesn't, mm -hmm. well, unfortunately you just have to start saying no. And, um, and it's, it's hard, <laughs> yeah. but, but it's okay. You know, people respect that. <laughs> you say, I'd rather do it right than do it than do it angry, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. So, so, so that's been. I mean, it, it's always a challenge because I do have the disease of wanting to be, wanting to do, wanting to mm -hmm. do one more, and I love operating. But, um, but it's it's like living with diabetes. I love chocolate, and I I want to eat chocolate, but I can't, you know. So this is yeah. like a uh, this is like a constant reminder that you need to really keep that in check to to be happy. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I actually went through a very similar exercise recent, maybe over the past year where you're right, you have to almost like determine what your values are. And um, the problem is for healthcare workers in general, I would say doctors more so than nurses, but nurses too, like our career, you're right. It's almost like what defines you. Like they'll be like, so who are you? I'm a nurse. <laughs> I'm a doctor. You know what I'm saying? That's that's almost like a definition um, for a lot of people in healthcare. And so that Absolutely. label, so to speak, becomes who we feel like we need to be. Even if we have, even if you're a spouse or you're a mom or a dad, that's usually not what you say, right? When people ask, what do yeah. you do? You're, you're not like, oh, I'm a parent. It's always like, oh, I'm a nurse or, oh, you know what I'm saying? I'm a doctor or whatever it is. And so automatically identifying with that. Yeah. That becomes like your main bucket. Exactly. And uh, yeah, and that's an important. I mean, <laughs> when I started, because I, I used some therapy through it, and I think that's yep. one of the messages, you know, to have help and professional yep. help. Um, and um, and then when the lady, it's classic, right? She's like, well, you know, after a breathing exercise, she's like, okay, Simon, tell me about your values. And I name a bunch of stuff. Family. I said, that's not a value. She's like, <laughs> so it was after a while that we were discussing and I like, I don't even know what a value is. You know, I think I'm a pretty <laughs> smart person, but I don't, <laughs> I don't know. what. So I had to go, she said, okay, this is your homework. Go read on the values and pick <laughs> you, you know, and then we'll talk about it. But, uh, but in the end, this is all this conversation about values and how they are, you know, uh, they change over time and why and all that yeah. stuff. So, but it's it's crazy to me that I've lived forty years or forty two years without even thinking about what what my values are. I don't even know what they were, and so <laughs> uh, and and so it's uh, it's been a it's been an interesting journey. And and you know those those uh, those traits of character. You're saying you know like being a doctor is is all that I am, or being a nurse is all that I am. 
these these are pretty typical and there's a lot of similarities to other fields like being a ceo that's all they do correct or you know, a lawyer a yeah musician or being a uh, you know an actor that's the the traits of personality and the addiction to the I mean, I could have done the, uh, you know, music industry disease. I could have done the Correct. same exercise so that to me, I'm trying to redefine that burnout is not the culprit. It's the it's it's the 20 years before that led to the event that's important. What you're going to do with it now. Right. Yeah. Correct. And so I agree. Um, and what are some like initial steps, I guess? So you say. People can recognize small changes. Is there anything that almost everybody shows signs of that's going through burnout that maybe they can say, oh, maybe I need to look into this? So I guess my first question is, is there any symptom that people should kind of pay attention to that would be signs of burnout? And then if they have that, what would be like the immediate next thing that they should do? Yeah. So- I mean, it's interesting you mentioned that because I did have to discern a bit through the stories, you know, what people were trying to report and reading through the different stages. I think the, and it's funny. Is there a theme, a common theme? A, a, a common theme, and it's not in healthcare, is the lack of empathy. It's the yeah. numbness. I think yeah. um, I think when I read people's stories, there's always an, uh, an event, right, that will kind of make things break loose. But when you read through the first parts of their stories, there's always this detachment. It's not always like mm-hmm. lack of empathy, but it's this sort of distance from 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 family, from emotions, from themselves, yeah. from uh, from their patients, from you know just the feeling of of res- being uh, emotionally you know touched by something. And so people people oftentimes start. Doing, and, I, and I remember, you know, I, I in myself, I experienced it with a little bit of distance. I felt like I was somebody at work. I was somebody at home. And then there was this com- complex interaction between the two. And and I could I could have a I could have a complication, but it was um, it was a patient's fault. It was uh, it was she was too sick or he was too sick. Um, it was always, and then if somebody died, then I, I didn't allow myself to cry. I sent the resident, talked to the family. Um, and, and so, and so that kind of things I think is, is, and then I was, um, distancing myself from my son, my, my ex-wife now. And, and, and I felt like at the moment it was sort of, it came with the job, right? That's how it yeah. had to yeah. yourself, but retrospectively it was a sign of burnout. And once you, yeah. once you, you 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 feel that and and that's the first step and it's a hard one it's to hit that pause button and to to do many things but to slow things down mostly you know because you know that racing rat in our head you know say that i need to do the next case i need to go to yeah correct exactly email i need to you know um go to family stuff i need to just just try to be try to come back to be with yourself and then and then and then make room right so i what i've decided to do as an example is i've let off all the committees i can i needed to be on uh, you know and and all of a sudden i created time and i'm okay what i yeah. what, you know what do i do yeah. now and 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 i can do four or five cases um a day you know anymore um 
and and I've decided to and it was a joint decision. I could have pushed to stay there, but I left I left the large busy institution for for something else. And so creating time, having the humility to do that is probably one of the first steps once you have established that you may be yeah. suffering from 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 burnout or from a, a initial signs of burnout. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, I think that's very, that's very helpful. And I've learned a lot. I'm sure there's a lot of people that can, can learn a lot from what you went through. Thanks for kind of coming out and stepping out. You, we see a lot of, um, you know, psychologists, honestly, like talk about this, but you don't see too many surgeons, you know, kind of waving the white flag saying, and so it's, it's definitely something and, that I, needs- I'm, and I'm waving the white flag, but I'm asking people to get on the boat too. You know, I yeah, I correct. think that's going to. So we hear the you know who talks about these things too is the journalists, right? They love these stories of burnout yeah. or burnout, you know, nurses or even people that commit suicide. God forbid, but um, but yeah. there's no movement, right? The, so this this same movement as other movements with, and I wouldn't compare it to this thing, but say, you know, the Me Too, that kind of stuff. This is a very serious thing, right? Our system Correct. is going to be impacted for the next decades if Correct. we don't help people function and decrease turnover and be happier within this, this very high acute within, environment. Within the system. So one of the things that we are struggling with here is the, one of the reasons we have bed problems because of the pandemic is because of the shortage of healthcare staff. It's not so much, I mean, on the news, if you look at the news, they'll be like, oh, you know, no more beds, everybody's diverting. But the reason there's no beds is because there's no healthcare workers. No you know? yeah. um, there's nobody to, to, yeah, to run the beds. I mean, that's, so I, you say decades, it has already started. I had to transfer somebody, I'm in Texas, to another state um, yeah. who had COVID because there is, there's nothing, you know, and the nurses have all gone into other field. My, my nurse, you know, we work closely, obviously with nurses. They, I've seen them leave and go to admin, be stay at home moms, start Uber driving, you know, anything, but healthcare. Away from this. Yeah. And, yeah. And it has, it has an impact on, on, I call it, you know, there's no bodies, there's nobody to take care of of the patient it's also the quality it's also the the involved with i mean you train a nurse you train a surgeon the person decides to quit it's hundreds of thousands of dollars for a hospital for a system and uh and so and so it is a it's hard to measure right it's hard to exactly but i think it's a silent killer just as much as hypertension or other thing yeah yeah Uh, i agree and we're just going to keep pouring money into into you know bringing people from somewhere else and giving more money to people that currently work, but we're not and solving fixing the problem. problem. Correct, exactly. I agree. I agree. I agree. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I'm sure you talk extensively about this in your book, Healthcare Anonymous, and people can get that at www.healthcareanonymous.com. You have several stories in there, illustrations ways to prevent it, things to do for anybody struggling with, with burnout from, I like it, the healthcare disease, you know, burnout. And, and I think you're a hundred percent right, especially with this pandemic, this is going to be a, a common problem. So I recommend everybody read it. I think it could be useful. And I would argue it probably could be useful for other people. That's not just 
it, obviously it's specifically to healthcare, but but burnout in general, it's it's not just a healthcare problem, you know. It's a side I mean, it problem. You want to be yeah. as a as a doctor. I mean, as a patient, if I get my heart surgery in fifteen years, I don't want to be treated by a surgeon who's tired, who's drunk, who's whatever. You know, it has an impact on on patients and the general public and any other high performing. Uh, you know, fields. And, and, uh, and so I hope, you know, I say hashtag healthcare anonymous, I, I hope that people will be entitled to sort of, you know, uh, share their stories or of seeing people having similar issues and we'll make a movement out of it because yeah, bigger than, than Simon or the book, it's really um, a cry for help and to try to understand what, what's happening with our, uh, with our system. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. Thank you so much, Dr. Malte, for being on the show. Thank you. I appreciate the invitation. Thank you so much. (laughs) I hope this message continued to empower you and inspire you to continue on your health transformation journey. Thank you for listening. And please subscribe or download if you like what you're hearing. The goal is to continue to inform you and educate you as you transform on your healthcare journey and show you different paths to take in order to get you to your goal. Until next time, thank you.